Pop Shield, a long-form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Derek. Hello. So, you know, I like to start each episode by asking you guys if you've listened to anything interesting lately. Yeah, I've been listening to uh, Exuma, the uh, first uh, self-titled record. They finally put it on uh, Spotify. It's like this uh, weird, like, freak folk record from uh, Mm. the Bahamas from uh, 1970. Um, It's, like, really nuts and uh, really awesome. Huh. Um, I haven't listened to anything outside of what we are doing for the show. However, I did revisit The Godfather this past week. And, oh. you know, <laughs> obviously, we have Nino Rota's um, soundtrack. I don't know if you guys listen to any of his other uh, film soundtracks, but um, you guys think we could ever do a podcast on movie soundtracks? Only. Fun. Yeah, maybe like Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Um, long-time listeners of the podcast will remember on our previous podcast when we reviewed Mike's, the rapper Mike, uh, his uh, breakthrough mixtape, May God Bless Your Hustle, and got in a little spat with him. He went to Twitter to uh, talk a bunch of <laughs> shit about us, basically, uh, which is weird because we liked the album, but he just like seemed really to take issue with how we described the sound, which is weird, and compared him to Earl Sweatshirt a little bit. And, uh, you know, anyway... He was pretty angry, but I'm happy to report that his new mixtape, Tears of Joy, I think is really fantastic. So, Mike, I'm ready to, uh, you know, put the beef to rest if you are. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's jump into today's topic. Uh, A few weeks ago, the legendary Warp Records celebrated their 30th anniversary by taking over NTS Radio for a three-day online music festival. And it might have been the best music festival I've ever attended. No sweating my ass off waiting in line to buy tickets that will then allow me to buy like an $8 beer, you know, and most importantly, amazing mixes and performances from Warp Juggernauts like Aphex Twin, Autechre, Boards of Canada, Square Pusher, Flying Lotus, Danny Brown, Death Groves, One Tricks Point Ever, and a whole lot more. The event got us talking about some of our favorite Warp albums, and we decided we should make a podcast episode about it. Instead of the all-time classics that have been discussed to death, though, we each picked a semi-underrated gem from Warp's vast catalog that we wanted to introduce each other to. I went with Boards of Canada's In a Beautiful Place out in the Country EP from 2000. I know it's hard to call that underrated, but it's at least not Music Has the Right to Children. Darren chose Broadcast, Ha Ha Sound from 2003, and Dan picked Autickers L Event EP from 2013. We're going to go in-depth on each of these releases, but I'm hoping we can use them to branch out into these artists' larger discographies a little bit, as well as the legacy of Warp Records 30 years after its founding. I think chronological order makes the most sense here, so we'll start with my pick. What is your guys' previous experience, opinion on Boards of Canada, and particularly this 2000 EP in a beautiful place out in the country? Uh, I'm a huge fan of Boards of Canada, have been for quite a while. Um, Love this EP. Uh, That's about it. What about you, Darren? Um, you know, I am just sort of a fan. I mean, I, I, I've obviously listened to Music Has a Right to Children, love that album. Um, didn't really branch out beyond that, so this is my first time uh, with this EP. Wow, okay. So, yeah, I'm a pretty huge fan. Um, really, really got obsessed back in the day, but then for some reason it's like Boards of Canada isn't something I've revisited very often, and, um, you know, I actually... We'll probably get into it, but I sort of enjoyed doing that this week. Um, I picked this EP in a beautiful place on the country because we were kind of, I, you know, I, I thought that I should pick something that's kind of representative so we can like talk about Boards of Canada in a larger sense a little bit. And they're two like twin classics, you know, music has the right to children and then 
uh, Geo Gaddy. I actually have never even looked up how to pronounce this, but um, <laughs> this EP comes right between those two sort of masterpieces. And, you know, the first one is quite melodic, almost funky, nostalgic fun. The second one gets into a lot like darker and mysterious kind of tones and stuff. And I feel like this kind of sits like very nicely right in the middle. So we all were listening to it this week. How would you guys describe the sound of this EP? I mean, you know, Boards of Canada, they've, they've got that, uh, that nostalgia sound like on lock. Yeah. It, it sounds like, uh, like it's on tape, but it, it's not even like cassette tape. Like it, it almost sounds like it's like VHS tape or something, you know, like yeah. it, it, you can like, like a reel to reel or something. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, it just has this feel of, you know, their, their name is like a reference to those, uh, like Canadian board film, like those, uh, sort of, um, uh, like public service, like like films right, about right. you know nature, whatever they sample them a lot, but it like really like feels like that. You know they they do a good job of like this um, environment building and uh, atmosphere building uh, in their music. And it's a you know I, I feel like when you hear it, you instantly know that it's Boards of Canada. Yeah, how would you describe it, Darren, as a new listener at least to this EP? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I, I kind of want to describe it in contrast to sort of like Autechre, just because they were mm. like going head to head in my listening all week. Um, and, you know, the word like sort of like mellow, almost like chill kind of yeah. comes to mind with Boards of Canada um, versus, you know, Autechre has, it just seems a little bit more uh, <clears throat> uh, aggressive in places. Um, you know, Boards of Canada, as far as like, and again, this is me being like a, not not a scholar of electronic music but um there's not like all these like glitches and you know uh right crazy sounds happening like it, everything kind of has a lot of space you know all the instruments you can kind of understand what's going on i'm not like kind of left wondering like what is this sound that i'm hearing you know what i mean that's really yeah. not what they're there's they seem to be going for at all yeah it's something i want to talk about more later obviously but yeah you know if this is really about like nostalgia, Autechre seems like to be not interested in nostalgia in any way. Um, but yeah, there's something about like, I, I don't know how much sampling Boards of Canada does, but everything kind of sounds sampled. Like you were saying, Dan, like it sounds like it, they're taken from old, you know, grainy, warped, uh, no pun intended, sources. And it's got this kind of lo-fi vibe. It's also, you know, really... Um, it's kind of like soulful and groovy. I think there's a lot of hip hop influence on Boards of Canada, you know, yep. with their beats. Oh, yeah. And also, like, you know, you listen to the first song on this EP, Kids, Kid for Today. It's like just these melodic, like, synth lines are, they're like as sort of soulful as Herbie Hancock or something. And they do a lot of, like, just these little lines that they almost like toss off in kind of like a, you know, that kind of like, thing that i like uh paul mccartney so much for like how did he just come up with that melody and why did he only sing it once and you know you could make a whole song out of it they just seem to like throw off these little like lines that are just amazing and that was something that kind of struck me this week is the the composition of these tracks um in particular it's like they're really amazingly composed because they're like these warm pad sounds or something but then these kind of like lines and stuff are just intersecting and weaving you know darren you kind of described it as like very kind of empty and and spacious which i agree with but did you kind of feel that like feel impressed at all with like the the composition the arrangement of these like melodic lines and things yeah definitely it kind of to me sort of sounds like a painting or you know like watching somebody paint 
uh, large, you know, strokes of color. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't want to like dumb it down to like those silly like screensaver types of things, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's just you know you just I I imagine it kind of like that. And when you I you think about the name of the title or the title of the album in a beautiful place out in the country, I think it really brings that sort of feeling out. You know what I mean? Like I really th- imagine like you know countryside and like with electronic music, it's kind of odd, but um it seems to work really well. Like, it, yeah, it's very, co- it's very cohesive. I, I completely agree with you. Like it does. It always like sort of brings an image to my mind. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I always sort of think of like, you know, like, a um, was it like super eight, you know, like a real grainy, like, you know, silent video of, of, you know, a countryside or something, uh, you know, maybe a river or something with, with, with yeah. boards of Canada. So yeah, I see what you're saying there, Dan. And like the cover of this album has these little like slide. Yeah, that's kind of, and maybe that's what makes me think of it. (laughs) But also when you listen to like Kid for Today, it's almost like the drum beat. It it at first just sounds like this clicking and it sounds like when you're switching slides, like on an old projector to me, you know, and then it sort of like becomes part of the beat. Um, Also interesting though, with this EP, how it, it kind of, in some ways it's like a little bit disappointing because I really like on their full length albums, they do these kind of ambient excursions. And yeah. I think that their like compositional skill really shines because these little 90 second pieces will be so just, you know, jaw dropping to me here. We don't have a lot of space for that, but we do get like the second and fourth track, Amo Bishop, Roden and Zotrope are much more on the ambient side and kind of like you know, just much like dreamier and driftier. Do you guys feel like this EP flows well? I mean, as much as like a four track EP can, you know, like, like Darren said, it, it does feel like very cohesive. You know, it, it feels like one piece of work, but I get what you're saying about it. It does lose like their, uh, their normal albums are always like fairly long. And there's like those little, um, interludes with uh, samples right. and the talking and stuff. And that does sort of like paint a bigger picture and like, build more of a environment and atmosphere but i think they do it like as well as you could do it in four tracks and uh what is it like 25 minutes or something yeah i kind of feel like it has an impressive arc almost because it starts really in mellow mode like some some things on music has the right uh to children they they get like quite funky but this starts like really in that mellow vibe and then it just seems to like kind of get mellower and mellower and then zotrope is like this nice like ambient coda it's almost like a you know, it's got like a minimalist, like kind of Reich or Riley kind of vibe yeah. to it. But Darren, did you feel like it, it, it flowed well? Yeah, I really do. You know, a lot of EPs sometimes just sound like throwaway songs or just attempting to experiment. But this seems like a like a, an idea that from start to finish is kind of like fleshed out. I mean, it's not, you know, as big as a as an LP like what you're describing, but I feel like it accomplishes kind of what it sets out to do. And by the time you get to the last track, I feel like you're or the track before that you're out in the countryside, you know, it's daytime. And then the last track, it just feels like the sun has gone down. It's like nighttime. Like, I, I don't know why it just feels like it, it's a perfect ending track, even, yeah. even though it's only been like 20 minutes. Like, I just feel like I, I look forward to getting to this track. So it just, it, it has like such a, su- such great closure, I guess. Yeah. It's interesting how it like earns, a coda in such a short amount of time and and i think it's just such a like gorgeous song it's just like these intersecting notes and again like that compositional skill because it just like really flows and grows in an interesting way so a big question i kept asking myself this week is 
You know, when you think of like Warp Records, right? And Boards of Canada is really like one of the biggest, most important artists on the roster. You know, you think kind of of like future looking, like a futurist ethos, you know? They they sort of like hit the, you know, come out with these like artificial intelligence series. They're like inventing this idea of IDM, you know, intelligent dance music, a problematic term, yes, but, you know, it's really future looking. And then this feels so like vintage and nostalgic. And it's like, would you guys describe it as really forward thinking or like really nostalgic music? I mean, it sounds in all in like all of Boards of Canada, it like sounds nostalgic, but it's like it, it's sort of it reminds me of like Vaporwave and not not that it sounds like it at all. But like, you know, Vaporwave is like nostalgic for a period that like didn't really exist. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of get like that same feeling of Boards of Canada. It's like they're nostalgic for like a world they created um which i guess is like sort of a you know it's sort of based on something like you know those videos and everything but like you know it's not like a real place in time so i don't know can you can you like making your own nostalgia i think is sort of like a forward thinking idea in in a weird roundabout way and they're really interested in like the occult and stuff in a weird way and um it like makes this really eerie kind of creepy like world building yeah i think um darren what do you think uh my earlier question yeah i don't know i mean i to be honest i didn't really listen to this album thinking like this is the year 2000 you know what i mean um it doesn't sound like any year though you know yeah yeah, exactly that's that's what i was gonna say like i just don't feel like it fits in anywhere i don't feel like i don't feel like it's nostalgic just because i can't really pinpoint it it almost feels like I almost want to say like timeless, like it just, it could be anywhere, you know what I mean? It, so in a, in a way, I feel like that's like forward, forward thinking because, you know, I mean, if I'm listening to this in 2019 and still feeling like if this came out yesterday, I'd be like, yeah, cool. This is, yeah, this is a cool record. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so weird because back when I was first listening to Boards of Canada and uh, it's kind of funny because when i was discovering this was the era when like you would make a uh, ringtones you know for your own phone you <laughs> yeah know? and so i i had in a beautiful place on the country as like my like alarm sound or whatever and uh it's amazing that it's it doesn't bug me you know now uh like it used to but you know anyway it's just like i i, I thought of it as the most future like forward-looking thing because there's nothing like mechanical about this. It's so like warm and human and flowing. And like I said, like almost a Herbie Hancock touch on the like synthesizer. It's just like, you know what I mean? You listen to electronic music and and sometimes intentionally so it sounds stiff, but you listen like almost that like mid nineties kind of stuff. And it sounds like a little primitive, a little archaic uh, in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, especially that like early IDM and stuff like uh, Autechre's like earliest albums kind of a vibe. And this just sounds so fully embodied, so fully human. It doesn't sound like like who even cares if you're listening to a synthesizer or electronic music. It's just like music at this point. So it's weird because I thought of it as, as the most forward-looking thing. It's interesting that they are consciously like trying to look back in order to do that. But I also found myself thinking a lot about their their legacy, okay? Because it feels like the influence of their sound is just immense to me. It's like you know, I feel like just their production is so like spacious and clean and perfect. I feel like, you know, Nigel Godrich of Radiohead is just kind of like trying to, you know, be Boards of Canada in a way. Like that's what serves the Radiohead sound. And, you know, there's stuff like, 
it just seems to have had such a such a, a huge influence on like the sound of electronic music and how lived in and human it can be and yet are you guys familiar with this like lo-fi hip-hop radio thing yeah the lo-fi beats to study to or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah yeah have you ever listened to that darren i haven't so you know it's like this 24-hour channel on youtube where it just plays like kind of lo-fi hip-hop beats all right like all the time and the idea is you could you know it's kind of pleasant or whatever just have in the background while you're reading or whatever or relaxing and it's just kind of like poor man's versions of boards of canada mm-hmm. tracks to me and that's how like saturated the boards of canada sound is is that there are like thousands of just no-name producers who will never know there's enough to like fill actually several 24-hour stations you know <laughs> wow and it's like do you feel like that's damaged the freshness, the innovativeness of their sound at all? How prevalent their sound kind of is now? I don't think so, because I think they just do it like so much better than everything. You know, like I, I've listened to that channel, uh, you know, just to check it out and stuff. And, you know, you're like, ah, it sounds like Boards of Canada, but like it doesn't actually sound like boards of canada you know you know what i mean like i'm not going to confuse it for an actual boards of canada song because like you said that that production is like so great in boards of canada and like that's just something that like i mean it just takes too much talent you know it's it's like how many bands like wanted to be the beatles there's only one beatles you know the the boards of canada like kind of have like the sound on lock um so i don't think i don't think it like hurts their um uh image or anything yeah i mean i think like <clears throat> you know even more so than just the sound i think their ability to you know texturize and sort of construct um this whole ep you know and and for it to you know paint these images in your head and like be able to earn that like concluding track so well you know like i, mm-hmm. I don't think that just people ripping off the sound like that that's the element that's really missing you know what i mean because I, I came exactly. to this album thinking the first time i listened to it, i was like oh this is kind of like not boring but just like okay what's really happening here it doesn't you know it's where's all the glitching and the, yeah. <laughs> the beeps and stuff you know what i mean but over time listening to it, i was like i started to like really love it i started i never you know never stopped i was like start to finish um because i wanted to get to that last track and i just i haven't listened to this 24-hour channel thing but i imagine it just doesn't have that kind of effect on you you know what i mean it's yeah, just background it's, noise, background music or whatever. I think the other thing, too, is like what really helps their legacy is that they don't release music very often. You know, That's like true. if they were just dumping this stuff out left and right, you know, then, oh, yeah, for sure. you know, it would cheapen it and you wouldn't. But now it's like, I mean, when when was the last Boards of Canada record? Like six years ago or something? Maybe more than that. Uh, what is yeah. it? Yeah. 2013. Um, you know, I mean... If if we get another one next year, like it'll be a big deal, or you know, yeah, because it might not be next year; it might be four more. You know, who knows? And I think that like really um, solidifies like their legacy that people would be like so excited if if we still well, you know, if we got one. People like dropped everything to check out this mm-hmm. mix that they did for the uh, Warp Takeover, and you know, it was actually just a straight up mix. You know, people are like, what if it's going to be a new album and stuff like that? And I, I thought it was very cool, but yeah, you know, they, they do have like an interesting, I felt like I was surprised actually this week to learn that campfire head phase, I think it's called their, their album, uh, their third album. It's like got kind of a, uh, 
following, kind of like strong defenders. And I could never get into that one because it sounded like their influences had caught up with them. It just sounded kind of like the way that like electronic and uh, indie like kind of just had fused by 2005, 2006, you know, and Mm -hmm. it just kind of sounded like they had been caught up to and they just didn't sound that innovative anymore. And I I really liked their 2013 record, Tomorrow's Harvest, um, but it sounded kind of like they were just like, well, let's go back to like kind of doing our thing and just be the best at it. Um, And I think before this week, I would have said, you know what? I don't think Boards of Canada has aged that well because they've just been ripped off too mercilessly. Um, And yet, after spending a week like revisiting this EP and a lot of other uh, of their stuff, I do kind of feel like they're just so good at they're like the the My Bloody Valentine loveless of shoegaze. You know, Mm. you could rip that off forever and it'll never be top sort of. Um, So. I don't know how familiar you are, Dan, with kind of like their newer stuff. Do you also agree that they've just kind of stopped innovating? Uh, no, I mean, I, I like Campfire Head Phase and I like Tomorrow's Harvest. Um, yeah, I mean, is it as innovative as Geogotti or Music Has a Right to Children? Like, uh, n- no, maybe not. But I mean, who, who stays that innovative for that long? You know, like when you basically invent a genre, uh, you know, you, you get to coast by a little bit after that, I think. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, So I think that what we should do is sort of move along to Darren's pick, and we can sort of keep jumping back and forth and comparing and contrasting um, this. But I do want to, you know, Darren, would you say that you kind of love this? You liked it? You're glad I made you listen to it? How are you feeling? Um, I'd say I'd like it. You know, I think uh, I could love it. Um, I'm going to keep it around, you know, but like I mentioned, I listened to boards of Canada back in the day. I just, I don't know. I just kind of forgot about them. I didn't really come back to them. And this EP is definitely got me interested in checking out that other uh, masterpiece you guys have been talking about. Okay. And, but you've, but you know, because you have not felt the pull to return to them, are you kind of like feeling like I was before this week or you're kind of like, it's not that fresh anymore? Um, I mean, I think I went into it thinking that, but, uh, like I, like I said, I think the CP has kind of like changed my mind about, you know, just how good they are at, at what they do. All right. Well, if boards of Canada is kind of like representative of the sound of warps golden age, I think broadcast your pick Darren is an interesting example of warp beginning to branch out beyond IDM the way they eventually would with acts like grizzly bear and Danny Brown, like death grips is on the label now. And, you know, it's gotten quite diverse as they've tried to like sort of grow and evolve um so i'll just say that again darren picked haha sound from 2003 their their uh second lp i believe and i had never listened to this before i had listened to their first lp uh maybe like once but i really had just no memory of it and i threw it on this week and i didn't remember anything about it dan do you have a lot of experience with broadcast Nah, I've never listened to this record um, before this week, and uh, I listen uh, same. I had listened to their first album years ago, but I, you know, I barely recall. You know, I remembered it was like an indie band with a female singer, but that was about that was about it. <laughs> well, what's your previous experience, Darren, and why did you pick this album? Yep. So probably somewhere like ten years ago or so, I either came across somebody showed me one song, or I, I happened across a playlist or something with the song "Tears in the Typing Pool," which is from their third, um, their right. third album, and that kind of just got me interested uh, in checking out 
uh, that record, which was Tender Buttons, and then I, I ended up going back to Haha ha Sounds. Uh, surprisingly, I never really listened to that first album very much at all. Um, most of my time has been spent with the latter two. But uh, yeah, um, picked up on Haha ha Sound and really just immediately kind of fell in love with it. Um, you know, even wrote a review on Rate Your Music uh, for it. So <laughs> I loved it. I do so want much. to ask you about that. I, I stumbled upon it, funny enough. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, go on. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I picked it uh, over Tender Buttons because I, I feel like with Tender Buttons, they sort of, the broadcast had more than just two members and kind of uh, in and out with like drummers and people coming in to play like, you know, either synth or keyboard or whatever. Um, Tender Buttons specifically only had just the two like remaining members, oh. um, Trish, the singer, and then the other guy, whatever his name is. Um and and you can kind of tell that the uh, the sound is sort of like stripped down a bit. Um, I like that album a lot, but Haha ha Sound I think is like kind of the perfect record that sort of captures them maybe at their at their peak, um, kind of exploring uh, a lot more ground. I feel like. Yeah, so I think that we should try to describe the sound. And Dan, as a fellow first time listener, how would you describe it? Yeah, I mean it. <sighs> It, it, it's like indie rock, you know, with a female singer. But I think it's a it's a little more interesting than that. There's uh like the whole time, like I'm trying to think of the way, best way to like describe it. There's there's like sort of like weird electronic things that frequently sort of happen in the background, um, but uh, often where you could miss it if you're not paying attention. Um, so it was like a, a sort of like a odd mix of indie rock. Uh, electronic like that indie electronic thing that was kind of big in the early 2000s but mixed with like a little bit more of a idm type sound happening um which maybe is why they're on warp yeah you know i i really um so i struggled with this album a lot and it, it like continued and continues i think to grow on me but i've been listening to a lot of stereo lab lately and this first struck me as like a poor man's stereo lab and it I couldn't like get over it because it's kind of like a soft, you know, soft breathy female vocal over like your favorite record collection being sampled or something like that. Um, but it's a pretty interesting sound because it's got this kind of like lullaby type vocal melodies by this girl and often very like simple melodies. There's not a lot of harmonizing much at all, which is quite different from stereo lab. Um, and yeah, the music is, weird honestly it like seems to come from the almost like 60s psychedelic tradition of a band like united states of america or something um but there's like these electronic elements um i think of like 50 foot hose as like a weird 60s you know experimenting with like early synthesis uh even going back so far as like you know that like telstar song by the tornadoes you know like oh, the yeah. first ever uh synthesizer or even like you know you can think of um like a more popular example like uh the beach boys using theremin which is a synthesizer you know like incorporating that like experiment you know because this was the time like the 60s people were like just discovering this stuff and there you've got these like electroacoustic kind of uh you know avant-garde people like stockhausen and oliveros and stuff and they're doing this and it's like filtering its way into the psychedelic music of the 60s and i feel like that's what's being evoked here um it's also like those albums in the sense that they almost like, you know, back then they didn't have like a good control 
or maybe they just didn't have like good equipment because synthesis was so new where it gets like really loud and clattery and out of control and so darren i wanted to ask you because in that rate your music review from years ago that i found (laughs) you said you kind of liked how it's like these like nice vocals and the backing music isn't trying to do too much which i understand why you would say that and yet i felt like the there's so much like clattering noise on every song it's like it's like minimalist but also really like everything is like glitching and like the drums are like just like over these soft vocals i mean isn't it kind of like (laughs) clattering in a way yeah i mean i think it is and i think what i find most attractive about it is the fact that you're sort of bringing together not necessarily polar opposites but definitely things that you wouldn't imagine going together so this very noisy glitchy sort of distorted psychedelic sound with you know almost like lullaby like vocals from the 60s you know what i mean so like pop yeah the you know the the cleanest you know, girl group of the 60s sort of like vocal melodies um, being mixed in with this just, you know, it, it immediately you might catch you off as like, or, you know, you might think of it as like a gimmick or like, oh, they're just slapping these two things together and seeing what happens. But um, this was my like, my, what I struggled with because it sometimes felt like the noise is working against the song like they wrote like a you know it's almost like okay i sat down at the piano and i wrote like this 60s ditty you know this mccartney-esque ditty um to bring him up again and instead of playing it on the piano i'm gonna do it on like a modular synthesizer that i'm like turning the lfo way too high so that it sounds like the thing is like disintegrating and like buzzing and glitching and uh just gonna have like some drums like just smashing like all over the place uh like jazz being played way too loud or something Mm -hmm. um you never feel like it's kind of working against each other? And on this album, I don't. I really don't. I think it, that there's more of that on their initial record, their first record, and then their third record. I think there's some of that. But here, I feel like it It kind of harmonizes or it comes together really well to where I don't think that it's overwhelming. And mostly because I, I think that um, Trish's like vocal melodies are so catchy that like they sort of like rise above all the noise and and stick out whereas in on the other two records i feel like you lose her a bit more you know what i mean yeah what did you think about that dan Uh, you know i i sort of agree with darren um like i get what you're saying and i i sort of like the i sort of like that about the record that it is like uh you like the second song uh pendulum like had that overdriven synth and those like weird I don't know if it's a modular synth or like a guitar with effects or whatever, like sounds are happening. Uh, like that, like sort of made it interesting to me. Um, but it also kind of turned into like a one trick pony sort of thing. And I mm. got, I got like sick of it, you know, it, it like couldn't sustain a whole record. I thought like, um, like the, the, the first song I, I kind of liked a lot. It, it sort of sounded like the Vaseline's over like, black angels uh, death song or something you know like just yeah it had like a really john kale kind of yeah like, it, uh, vibe to the noise that's going on yeah and i liked that and the first time i listened to the record i was like oh th- you know this is gonna this is gonna be great and then you know pendulum kind of continued that and i was like oh man yeah i wish i would listen to that. and then i was like oh okay we're still doing this and you know and i just kind of as it went along i felt more and more like oh you know we're doing this again yeah i struggle with that too because like weirdly i feel like 
some of the the later songs on the album are my favorites and yet i'm so like kind of tired by the, the time i get there because it's really one note like you were saying it's like you know you put these like kind of clanging drums glitchy uh sort of synth chord accompaniments this like plucky bass that sounds like kind of the the bass on like beach boys instrumentals or something and then like the soft female vocal and you know that's like the palette Mm -hmm. of every single song and the album feels so long like there were so many times where i would throw this on and just like you were saying dan i'd be like this is kind of awesome and then i'd start to you know a little bit later i'd be like yeah, that was really a nice album. And then I'd look and I'm like, on track six. Oh, you know, like, you would yeah. not believe I still have how many so times far I did to that. go. Especially because Man Is Not a Bird is sort of like the last song that like really catches my attention. I like the drums on it a lot. You know, it's like a nice kraut rock beat. And uh, yeah. just the, the production on the drums in that track is like really cool. And that one sort of like was the last one to grab my attention. And then, yeah, like the sixth track, I'm like, okay, you know, okay, closer here. Um, and then you're like, oh, wait, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still have another side of this record to, to go. Uh, you know, it just like really, yeah. it, I, it wasn't bad. Like, I don't, I'm, I don't want to act like I'm shitting on it. Like, it, it's not awful. It just like, it really overstays its welcome. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with either of you. I mean, in, in terms of the overall album as a whole, you know, it, it, I even 10 years ago when I wrote that review, I don't think I gave it five stars. You know what I mean? I gave it uh. four and a half. That, ha- that <laughs> half star. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and I, I point out some songs that I like on it, and there's a reason for that. Like, there are really strong songs here, but, you know, as a cohesive album, I mean, I'm lost by the time I get to, like, Distortion and The Little Bell and yeah. Winter Now and Hawk. I, I don't even... The only, I know the record's over when there's no more music playing. You know what I mean? Like, it's... It doesn't have... Kind of in contrast to, like, Boards of Canada, like, I don't feel like there's a nice arc I, yeah, going on you, here. You, right. you could shuffle this record and I don't... Yes. I, yeah, I think sure. Color Me In is a good, uh, like, intro Yeah, track. it does. It starts really nicely mm-hmm. yeah. and then it just kind of, like, hits this, like, plateau and just stays there the entire time and then it just stops, you know? But... It's weird because it's like I like all of the little pieces. Any song you could play, I would pretty much be like I like. And yet, mm-hmm. there are a couple like interlude type tracks that they're like kind of interesting. But I feel like it's they're unnecessary. It feels like, like it feels like there's a noise guy in this band, <laughs> you know? Like he, so they're like let him like fuck around for a little while, you know? <laughs> and uh, then we'll get back to it. Um, which to me again is like sort of a problem because I don't feel like the noise is fully it's not always fully gelling. Sometimes it really nicely is. So like Valerie is a great example of like this. It's kind of like an acoustic kind of just nice, like sixties ballad almost like, but still nursery rhyme kind of. And the ending is really cool because like the, these ahs get really reverb heavy and like these glitchy noises, like start building and filling. But the whole previous part of the song is just like a little acoustic ditty with just like unnecessary noises added to it because they're it's almost like they're ashamed of like writing such a simple song and they're like let's make this artier uh-huh. so but it's but you know other other than like just a few issues like that I, I like really really like every song and like i said some of the last ones are like some of my favorites like hawk is like i think such a great it's like the most shoegazy song here yeah um, yeah but it's just like i don't know but so what i wanted to kind of ask in regard to warp records is you know does this like make sense on warp? Because in some ways it's really interesting that even though I was kind of saying a warp is like sort of, it feels like futurist. It feels forward looking. This is like really, really 
you know, looking back, you know what I mean? It's like evoking that tradition I was talking about of that, like early, very early electronic mixing with 60s pop tradition. And uh, it's, it's like, so first question, do you feel like this is nostalgic in a different way from Boards of Canada or are they both kind of on the same page there? No, I think if you're going to classify this as nostalgic, I think it's a different type of nostalgia than Boards of Canada. Like I said, with Boards of Canada, it was like they're it's a fake nostalgia like for this world that they've created. Whereas like broadcast is like an actual just regular nostalgia for something that existed. Um, so I think I think that's very different things, you know. Yeah, I think I agree. I mean, like I mentioned, Boards of Canada, really difficult to kind of pinpoint what it is they're calling back to exactly at all difficult really with broadcast i mean we're looking right at the 60s and that's where they are intentionally going i think and the other thing is i i could i could take a guess as to when this record came out um whereas boards of canada you know it's it's a it's a little different you know it doesn't sound like anything so it's kind of hard to to pinpoint it whereas this this is early 2000s and uh i could guess that (laughs) yeah yeah, it is also kind of interesting to think that, like, Boards of Canada, like, do you guys kind of agree with me? They have, like, a, a really strong hip-hop vibe that I didn't, I don't think I was, like, fully tuned into when I was first discovering them, but they really sound, like, heavily influenced by hip-hop music and then also influencing hip-hop music because, you know, the kind of beats that, like, these, like, chill hip-hop type beats that are on Boards of Canada songs, those are not something you would hear in the 70s, you know? That sounds, like, very modern. Um, exactly. And it also kind of... It also kind of influences hip-hop, though, because it's, like, kind of after this, hip-hop starts to get that nostalgia vibe going with, like, the Jay Dilla kind of production of, like, old soul records and that grain of, like, you know, re- you know vinyl and Kanye, you know, brings that, makes that popular as well. But I feel like they're kind of, like, in a way, right in the thick of what is, like, happening in music then. This is, like, totally looking back. Would you kind of agree with that distinction? I would. Yeah, I think that that's a very accurate statement. But you wouldn't say that that's like necessarily a bad thing, right? No, no, no. I mean, you know, I it, it's really difficult actually thinking about them being a warp uh, artist. Like, I I didn't really obviously I didn't know when I first started listening to them, and I in subsequent years I never really thought of them as you know <laughs> alongside yeah. of Hotecker and Apex <laughs> Twin and whatever. Right, right. I just don't think of it like that, you know. Yeah, I I agree with you. It is sort of like a weird, um, a, a weird band on the lineup. But you you mentioned Grizzly Bear, and I kind of feel like they fit that as well. You know, like I don't think For of sure. Grizzly Bear as like a Warp artist. You know, you think Warp, you think electronic, like you know, dance music, not uh, not not like a band. But even like you know, Danny Brown's latest record was on Warp. I don't think you know. I I always forget that that's a Warp album kind of yeah. thing. You know. Yeah, but, th- you know, this seems like almost one of the first stabs at broadcasts yeah, in at general, like, like one of Warp's first stabs at kind of branching out. But do you mm-hmm. feel like, like, would you classify this as like a Warp artist? Would you classify it as electronic music, Dan? Uh, I mean, it's hard. Or does it not matter? Like, uh, yeah, I think like increasing diversity a good thing. Yeah, I think that I think that's it. it I think it just doesn't actually really matter um because yeah i mean you got to diversify you know they they, obviously it's a business they want to they want to continue on and if they you know just get stuck in this rut of you know what are they going to do when apex retires and i mean he basically did for a long time what are they going to do when i mean i'm sure a lot of their money comes comes from apex himself you know otekers probably not selling uh (laughs) tons and tons of records you know 
Yeah, I mean, I think that broadcast earns their place. You know what I mean? I I would certainly wouldn't say that they're you know ripping off or you know I mean, Gabe, you mentioned that they're similar to to Stereo Lab, but I mean, I I think that they uh, they stand out to me. You know what I mean? And they they always did stand out even when I first discovered them. Um, and listening to a lot of subsequent bands, you know, there there really wasn't anything that was like, oh, this is what broadcast is definitely like ripping on or you know vice versa so I, I feel like they probably earned their place at least among the warp artists you know in, in terms of like you know bringing something that's interesting sound wise I, I do i agree you know like you know we've talked about how the you know they sort of like nostalgia looking back and stuff but i don't think it, it's not completely that it's it's you could tell they're taking their influence as like making something new of it it's not we, we, you know, we've complained about it. It's not like that, whatever, Greta Van Fleet band that, like, <laughs> loves Led Zeppelin, and so now they're, you know, playing Led Zeppelin. Uh, you know, I don't think broadcast is, is playing Velvet Underground or, or something, you know? Like, they, they, they've, you can see their, um, their influences. They wear them on their sleeve, but it's not, uh, it's not that they're just aping them. Yeah, you know, I feel that, um, yeah, basically, because at first I thought this was just kind of like a ripoff of Stereolab, but I've decided that they there is something new here, and there's there's even if it is pretty close, there's plenty of room for both. I also think in regard to their place on Warp, there's something about broadcast aesthetic, which is like outsider, you know, by definition, because a lot of the people that they seem to be inspired by are these like weirdo outsiders, you know, these like weird 60s artists who are interested in like the most primitive synthesizers and just putting like squelching crazy noises and bleeps and bloops and stuff on their records you know that's kind of like a a niche thing and like it's almost fitting that they're on a label that they don't quite belong on you know and yet i would say that that is an interesting part of warp's legacy which is like you think of electronic music as being like really future and really new and i think a lot of that is because of the way warp actually branded electronic music in the 90s and did so much for that like sort of future looking thing and Yet this band is here to kind of remind us that electronic music goes back like a really long way. And mm-hmm. it it has this huge legacy of of those, you know, kind of like weirdo outsiders that were toiling away on I don't even know what synths looked like, you know, in the mid sixties or whatever, but like toiling away on what must have been the most complicated and finicky machines ever. Um so in a way, it's, you know, maybe it's forcing it, but it's kind of like a nice tribute to the history of electronic music, them being on warp, you know? Yeah, I can see that. At the same time, we were kind of alluding to this does kind of fit in the like Indietronica sort of twee pop thing that is like really starting to pop off in 2003. Um, it's like, you know, you got people like... Stereo Lab, like I mentioned, but you've got like the Knot Twist. I don't know if you guys remember them, really trendy at this time. Cornelius, even. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we reviewed that on our previous podcast. Um, and then, like, within just a, a couple of years, you're going to have people like Hot Chip and Phoenix and uh, MGMT, even, and stuff like that. And so, basically, Dan, I want to ask you do you feel like this is, dis- this is different? This is like artsier and weirder, like weird enough? to not be sort of grouped with the Indietronica thing, or does it fit right in there? I think it's a little better. Like, I, I kind of hate that stuff, and I've always sort of hated it. Um, uh-huh. And, like, and so I, I honestly, you know, when Darren picked this record, I had, like, I thought it was just kind of Indietronica, and I was really uh, not looking forward to it at all. And I ended up, like, right. 
enjoying it. You know, I like I. I I didn't love it. I probably won't continue to listen to it, but like I did enjoy it. Whereas I think if we were reviewing a uh, hot chip or, uh, <laughs> right. or, or you know, I would want to gouge my ears out. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it. I think it's you know it's a little. I think I think it's, it's foreshadowing that movement a little bit, and it, you know it, it's got a little something extra special to it. And I think you know that's maybe why it it belongs on warp. Um, they should have gave their their noise guy a you know. A bigger spotlight, maybe. <laughs> what do you think about that, Darren? Yeah, do they I mean, fit in or do they stand out? I think they stand out. You know, I think Trish Keenan's vocals, I think, is what really stands out the most. You know, I imagine. You know, I, I've never obviously. You know, you can't see them live. She she passed away in 2011, but mm-hmm. um, the way her style of singing just seems so like kind of like just like a gentle sway. You know, very like shoegazy. I even read somewhere that. Uh, you know, she's had been described early on in her career as being very shoegazy in her singing style, like not not a lot of movement. You know, and uh, when you say like the word indie tronic, I'm imagining things worthy of dancing to, and I just yeah. don't think that anything on this album is quite like that. You know, um, I think the lullaby melodies and it's it's almost like a little spooky at times too. It's not just like cutesy at all. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, I, think, I also I felt that like. I also felt kind of like, you know, it, it reminded me of like, it filled me with a little bit of that, of joy uh, about early electronic music, like really early electronic music. Cause you know, like in the sixties and stuff and you know, it's like, it, it's such an odd sound. It must've been to hear like, you know, like there were no instruments that could make those weird goopy sound, you know? And it's like any technology, like how when 3d movies come out they're like you know there's sharks like up in your face and stuff and then like then it kind of tones down and becomes like more normal and actually in a way like boards of canada is like when it sort of tones down it just becomes like perfectly natural you know electronic music and you know in a way like broadcast kind of revels in that early you know fun of like you hear this crazy sound that this thing is making like whoop 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 whoop, whoop. you know like you know there's something kind of fun about about that i thought yeah, I could see that. I mean, I I do have a soft spot. I love uh picking up like records of those like uh they're just like Moog like demonstrations. Uh right. you know like uh what's that one band that would play uh oh man, I can't think of it now. Uh they they would play like rock songs and stuff but on the Moog. Um, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the the name of the band says Moog in it. I can't think of it now. Um but like, you know, it's always like yeah, they'll be playing the song and then it'll be like, you know, something, something crazy. And it, it's fun. I like that. I, I like those like noises as like a, a fun novelty uh, thing. So, yeah, I mean, th- I think broadcast does like take those sort of fun novelty noises uh, and like work them in. Sometimes they do just a little pasted on the end of a song and uh, yeah, whatever. But, uh, you know, it's fun. It's cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's what I, I feel like kind of makes them stand out. And, and you know, any reflections on. It sounds like you guys were, you know, I was kind of wondering like you were, Dan, like, re, you know, listening to this all these years later, is this going to sound like the most dated thing ever? I actually think it's, it it has held up in a, in an interesting kind of way and, uh, is worth revisiting if it's something you haven't checked out. And it sounds like you guys agree. Yeah, I do. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, Autecker to move on. And again, we can bounce back and forth. Um, uh, but Autecker is a pretty fascinating case because they've been with war basically since the beginning. They actually helped define that IDM golden age, probably more than uh, Boards of Canada even, since they were like, even on those artificial intelligence series and everything. Um, and yet somehow they've remained like as relevant as ever. Um, 
even now, you know, it's, it's kind of different from broadcast in the sense of that's really this kind of era that like rediscovering the sixties and playing around with electronics and stuff era, you know, Autecker <laughs> and even different for boards of Canada. Somehow Autecker, uh, keeps going on. So Dan's pick the Elevent EP from 2013. Um, he'll tell us a bit about why he picked it, but Darren, what is your experience, previous experience with Autecker? And I don't suppose you've ever listened to Elevent. I definitely have not. And my previous experience was whatever it was we reviewed on our last podcast, I believe. Uh, I think we did try Repite. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. Wow. Okay. So that's it. I mean, I am like a, like Dan, a massive, massive, obsessive, like crazy fan uh, of Autecker. And. Yet, weirdly, I uh, had not really ever listened to the Elevent EP. Autechre is one of those bands where it's like they have so much that I there's forever going to be stuff that I haven't spent enough time with or whatever, like an EP I haven't checked out or something. And um, so I was, you know, kind of intrigued to uh, to get into this. I had a strong feeling I would love it. Uh, but Dan, what is your, you know, I spoiled it a little bit. Where, what, <laughs> how are you approaching this, and why did you pick the Elevent EP? Yeah, yeah. Um, like you said, I'm a massive fan. Uh, they're, you know, probably one of my top, you know, five or six favorite bands ever. Um, I picked this uh, EP, but most mostly because I wanted to do late period Autecker, um when all the humanity is gone, um, <laughs> and basically all those records are are two hours or plus you know yeah. eight, some, some eight. of them are eight yeah um and right. i didn't think we could get darren or or you <laughs> or me to listen to an eight hour record so i picked elevent because it's sort of a um digestible um uh version of of those things and also uh, i mean i hadn't um i had listened to this before you know a few times and whatnot but i've never like spent a week and and dug into it and i thought it would be fun to do that with uh something i've never done that with and instead of something i already knew like the back of my hand you know yeah okay yeah well so <laughs> we're, we're a long ways off from try repite darren so i wonder could you describe the sound of the elevent ep bleeps and bloops <laughs> <laughs> did you find any logic in it or did it just sound totally random um it didn't sound totally random but i definitely found myself you know, wondering what the hell is happening, like what what kind of noises are happening. Things just seem to be going by so quickly, um, especially that that first track, which I mean, admittedly, yeah. I I love I love that I love that sound. Actually, I love oh. kind of like listening to it over and over again and trying to like, you know, figure out what's happening. Um, so I didn't really feel like it was like random at at, at all. But uh, but yeah, I mean, the sound here is like very abrasive, very different than like Boards of Canada, like. It's yeah. amazing that, you know, these guys share, like, the same genre, the same label, but yet can sound almost like worlds apart, you know? Yeah, it, it is I, true. I mean that in a good way, you know? Right, right. And like I said earlier, you know, there's there seems to be basically nothing nostalgic about this. And uh, something I, I think I mentioned when we talked about um, Autekar on a previous... We talked about the entire NTS sessions. I think we're going to repost that as a bonus episode next week, but... Um, so I might have said this already, but there's something crazy about Autiker where like most electronic music, like 99%, it's kind of like imitating normal instruments. So you have like the bass line. I mean, Boards of Canada is just like this. You have like the the key, you know, the, the lead lines and you have like the it basically is a drum set, even though it's like sort of programmed. Um, it's 
you know, you could cover the title track on In a Beautiful Place Out in the Country. You could cover it with a band. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you get like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Maybe instead of the vocoder, you just get like a children's choir or something. You could do that. <laughs> uh, this is like so completely unattached to any there's no you know you you wouldn't be like oh i see that's kind of doing the tambourine part of this song like there's just nothing (laughs) even connected to acoustic instruments um i do think though maybe you can uh, help me out here dan it it is really fucking hard to describe autecker songs for that very reason so i'm like looking at my notes here and I've, i've written stuff like sounds like soda fizzing or <laughs> a, a paper bag exploding you know like how would you describe the sound of this ep yeah i mean that's that's why i like uh ah so much is they are just completely like detached from humanity you know like if if <laughs> if aliens had you know we had we had met aliens 50 years ago and uh you know like when we went to the moon we we land on the moon there's aliens there and they we say give us your best record and they gave you an autecker record you'd be like yeah that's kind of you know I, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, what i would have right. expected uh <laughs> it like it doesn't it doesn't sound like like earth or uh any like culture you know it's not like oh you know i can hear you know they really like african music you know like it doesn't sound like <laughs> right, right, it doesn't right. sound like music that's in the world even even from other like electronic people and stuff you know like something like Aphex. i i don't you know he's maybe their closer counterpart but it's still so like far away from this uh you know i mean right it, it, it's just it, it sounds like yeah, I think uh, what what a lot of people complain about with electronic music and stuff is that like uh, it just sounds like computers and stuff. And with Autiker, like you're completely correct. Like this this sounds like like <laughs> what computers sound like. But I love that. You know, it, it sounds yeah. It, it's like almost hard to believe that there's two people behind making this. You know? Oh, yeah, it, that's actually yeah. It's like I forget that they they feel like computer programmers more than they sound like or feel like um musicians and i mean that in like the best way possible you know i know a lot of people would say that in as as a negative but like that's why i like this band um it is yeah it's just nuts it's so so hard to to describe when they play live do they like play songs (laughs) from multiple records or is it just like a i've actually new stuff every time or what yeah i've well funny you ask that actually because they you know this year they dropped like (laughs) 19 new hours of live recordings and you actually can hear basically people are like jokingly call autecker a jam band now and so we should probably contextualize uh the elevent ep which is like the accompanying ep to their uh 11th album xi named appropriately x I get it, but um, oh, I never figured that out. Thanks. <laughs> are you kidding? Yeah, I swear. <laughs> wow, <laughs> amazing. Um, and then it seems like Elevent is also kind of a joke on the word eleven. But um, so basically, it's this is like sort of a period when they first off their albums get very very long. So XI is like two hours. You know, next we're coming up with like uh, you know LSEC, which is whatever five and a half hours. Then we get to NTS sessions, eight hours. Um, they also get quite harsh, I think, in this period, um, where like the sounds get really abrasive and like almost ravey. Uh, we talked about like there's no trace of nostalgia, but in so- at some points, I do feel like there's almost like a callback to kind of like the rave era that you can actually hear a lovely taste of on the warp tapes thing that they just released of like their earliest compositions, which is kind of cool. Uh, you can sort of feel that thread running through, but I also think that XI it's hard to tell, but marks the beginning of like this jam band period where they actually do like improvisation. I think they, 
they get interested before this in like generative sequences where things are like they're like setting rules and the computer is like kind of randomizing and stuff based on the rules they've set but here they seem to sort of like get interested in taking over so what i was going to say about those live sets darren is that you can actually listen night to night and the the sets are changing and they're improvising and like you know actually seem to be like jamming uh these these sets in a way um mm-hmm. and so i wonder when you listen to this darren do you hear any human element at all does it strike you as a jam <laughs> kind of a band i mean it doesn't quite strike me as a jam like i can imagine you know kind of it starts as a jam and then they just kind of tinker with it and tinker with it until it's what they want it to be i just feel like i it just it, you know as opposed to like boards of canada like you mentioned it sounds like a band could probably cover some of that here i feel like you have just pages and pages of different settings and and uh pieces of equipment and specific like computer settings and all this stuff that like it would be impossible to try to like put all that together and like recreate it again alongside other um bits of their albums you know what i mean is you get what i'm saying like i you couldn't just show like when you're a band with a discography even if you're the beatles and you had different uh you know eras like you still show up with the same instruments and you just kind of play play things yeah. but here i just feel like it just sounds like there's so many intricate like settings and and samples and things happening that like it would be ridiculous to say okay you know let's let's have autech come out and play all of element plus some of nts or whatever you know what i mean i just well, it seems hard to imagine i guess like i saw them live uh in orlando you can listen to that it's one of those uh uh, yeah. ones they, they they put up but um like they uh they just have two computer you know each one sitting on a laptop um they play completely in the dark um and yeah the, you know i i think when you say like I, I, you there's not actually like a lot of equipment i think it is just sort of all computer uh you know like vsts mm. and stuff and they use this program it's called uh max uh sp or something like that and it's like i i've tried to mess around with it but you gotta be like smarter than me um (laughs) and like essentially they like sort of are like programming this this program to to play the songs so like on these uh live uh records that they released um you know like night to night it's it's the same like you could you could say like that's the same song you know it's it doesn't yeah it's not like you know these exact notes happen every time but you know it's the same skeleton that they sort of like gabe said jammed around and um at least that period and the little bit before you know that i've heard live things from um they don't play like you know oh fuck here's a hit from dry repete you know it's sort of they they only play stuff that will like in two years you look back and like hey they played that you know uh when i saw them or something you know they i I don't think they really ever play like like if you saw them on tour when this record came out like i don't think you would have heard this record you know right well that's an interesting thing about them is that they like you know unlike something like boards of canada because like you darren i was kind of like contrasting them in my mind and also with broadcast a little bit um they don't seem to have like a sound boards of canada amazingly seems to like emerge kind of fully formed Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe there are some hardcore fans who know like their earliest shit that i don't but they kind of come out sounding like boards of canada it's a revelatory sound and then they've always sounded that way sometimes they like turn up the darker shades or whatever or get a little more spacious like they do on this ep we talked about but 
you know, that's the borders of Canada sound. Autiker like just has no sound because they're this act that is just constantly changing. Like they're chasing something. Um, and it's interesting because it seems like part of their process is to like release just buckets of music, you know, just constantly be releasing. They release, you know, like an EP that's like a remix of one of their albums and it's actually like twice as long as the album itself <laughs> and a two hour EP, you know, it's like, yeah, they just keep doing it. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because if you think about, you know, I, I thought about a band like Radiohead, um, just cause we, I think we're thinking about talking about them next week, but you know, Radiohead is one of those kind of searcher bands. They're kind of different from boards of Canada in that way. Um, they're, they're always searching. And yet what they do is they wait till they've like hit a plateau or something to reveal where they've been going, you know? So, like, Autechre is, like, imagine if between OK Computer and Kid A, Radiohead released, like, two albums and six EPs, you know? And you <laughs> got to hear every step along that transformation, yeah. you know? Like, and it feels like when you listen to these live sets, they're, like, there's an active sound of them trying to get somewhere. I think that's one of the coolest parts about them. You agree with that, Dan? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, listening to, like, Incunabula or whatever that first record is <laughs> called, and then listening to this, you like you you wouldn't guess that's the same band unless you were in the know, you know. Uh, and I mean, it, it's it's great. I mean, I, I I love that like no two things like that they've ever released like really sound alike. Um, they're always like moving forward. They're always you know when you think it can't get any crazier, uh, you get eight hours of something that's crazier. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, eight hours. Like, what is happening for eight hours that warrants eight hours? You know what I mean? Like, I would not want to listen to an eight-hour Radiohead record, and I also don't think I would be all that interested in listening to like two albums and six, you know, EPs between yeah. OK Computer and Kid A. So, what? What is? Well, what is you so see, Darren, I guess, it, about it, it's a pleb filter. It, it gets rid of. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I see what you mean, and I mean I don't think they expect anyone to sit and listen uh, to it all in one go. Because even Elsec, um, which is like five hours, it's called Elsec one to five, which I think implies that like you can listen, like you you know maybe put Elsec one on and, and then two. Yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't mean like sit and listen to one through five in one, I in one it's like go. a collection and yeah and and, and yeah. nts the eight hour thing is is sort of the same way and like gabe alluded to we're gonna put up gabe and i did an episode of our old <laughs> podcast together where we did we went through all eight hours uh, i'm trying to keep my like fanboying in check but if you want to hear us me and dan just free oh, yeah. to fanboy out with no darren there you know to keep <laughs> us in check that's what it that's what it is no exactly and we're, we'll, we'll post that next week so uh if people didn't hear it you know they can listen to it yeah, so I, I think yes, it, there's something about that where it, it is sort of it is sort of kept in like digestible chunks in a way, and and um, and they also kind of are interestingly divided into eras in a way, which like makes it you know possible to kind of like dive in in different spots. Um, but there's also something about like at this point, like being an Autechre fan is like being a Grateful Dead fan or something, <laughs> or like a Fish fan even because you just like you just get obsessed and you have to hear more. Like I, I get what you mean, Darren, like with Radiohead, I guess I wouldn't want that much material. Like I like that they wait till the new sound is fully formed and then reveal it to us. But with Autechre, I want to listen to literally all yeah. 19 hours of this new live set. And I want to hear 
the music like change in just small ways like every night and i want to listen to like every ep and like every album and it's just what do you think dan why do, how, why do they inspire that kind of like obsession obsession i think like with me i, I mean i just love like cool sounds being created like like i talked about you know i like those like weird moog records like i just like like sounds um and think about like i always appreciate when you listen to autecker you're hearing sounds that like basically the human ear has never yeah heard that's before. that yeah that's what i was getting to like it, it is just like you're hearing these sounds that like what like nobody's probably even thought of that sound before <laughs> you know like what is that like it, it's this like is the fanboying i was talking yeah about exactly earlier, yeah basically. if you want to hear a whole hour of that <laughs> uh, but no yeah you know it's like it, it's it's like this most like futuristic thing um yeah i think you know it like uh what's the guy Lu- luigi um something he was one of the futurists and he wrote like this whole big um uh yeah. thing about like noise music but he wrote it in 1900, so it he means a little different. But like, just the like how like we would get accustomed to the sounds of industry and uh, you know steam and and everything. And like this, I think is like the perfect um, realization of what he's talking about. You know, these are sounds that like didn't exist. You know, like imagine someone uh, pre-industrial revolution just hearing one of these sounds like just just take right, take right, take a right. two second clip <laughs> of this it would blow their goddamn mind you know they've never heard anything like this and i um you know i i just think it like really um is like the the perfect example of like that futurist um idea and you know i i just love that so is yeah. there is there a challenge to like constantly innovate like every time you guys hear about a new Autechre record? Are you are you going in being like, man, I can't wait to hear what kind of new stuff, new sound my ears are going to uh, to hear? And like, if that's if that is what you're going for, have you ever been like disappointed and then felt like they didn't push the envelope? I enough? I firmly believe that they are. So again, fanboy warning, but <laughs> like in my mind, I I put Autechre like right next to John Cage or or mm-hmm. like you know Stockhausen or like Ornette Coleman or something where it's like or like Shakespeare for fuck's sake where it doesn't matter. Here we go. What's I'm telling you? Like it doesn't even matter what's good or bad. There, yeah, because you know you don't go to a museum and be like, oh, this is like a bad Picasso painting. It's just like, oh, this is a Picasso, yeah. so it's important. We should look at it and know it. You know? Yeah. I, I feel that way about Autechre, where it's like, like Elevent is is a pretty minor work. It's not like really highly acclaimed at all. Um, you know, I I, I loved listening to it this week and. I just, you know, was struck with the, like, well, it doesn't matter if it's, like, not a, one of their major steps forward, because that's kind of what you're asking, Darren, is, like, it feels like with each, like, big project, they do a big step forward, but they're really fun about releasing these little, like, you know, these little branches, so they'll, like, usually do an album and then a couple EPs and stuff, and I guess lately they've just kind of been putting the EP material in the album itself, but <laughs> it's, like, they're like here's like the thing and you can explore all different ways but like good or bad i just don't even really consider hmm. am i crazy dan no i mean i i completely agree with you it, it's i mean is there is there ever been a more fanboy thing to say than uh comparing <laughs> them to, to shakespeare though but, yeah uh, and saying yeah. like what is good and bad when it comes to music <laughs> i'm telling you like because historically is historically like if john cage's whatever work is good or bad just doesn't matter it's just like you got no, you should know it if you want to be a- exactly no, I, I, it's, I, yeah i think i 
I think I agree with you. You know, the same or Beethoven, said about like Beethoven. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some undiscovered piece of Beethoven's music or whatever. Like, oh, it's Beethoven. It's immediately going yeah, to be important. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Like immediately commands your attention. And I think that's yeah. that's the same here. I mean, I, they're just like. It sounds crazy, but I promise you in 50 years, people will talk about fucking Autekker the way they talk about like Stockhausen or whatever. <laughs> no, I, I yeah. I could, bet anything. I completely agree with you. You know, they. I, I get the same sort of like feelings. Uh, listening to Ah Tecker that I do with with those sort of things, Stockhausen, Cage, Reich, you know, yeah, like yeah. I, I get the same like sort of uh, you know, like inspiration uh, to create music and and everything that I I feel exactly the same about that when I you know listen to Ah Tecker. Um, so I I I think you're uh, definitely right. Yeah. And okay, so we we veered like far into gushing territory and like forgot <laughs> to talk about the the EP itself, but I do think it's like. I do think it's a wonderful EP because it, it does start off like quite noisy and like wild and chaotic. And another fun thing about Autekker is you always feel like there's a logic to it, but you like can't quite get it. You know, you're like, I, I, I think there's a time signature here and I almost understand it. But like, you're, it's always like a one step away or something. Um, but I think that this EP, just like the In a Beautiful Place Out in the Country EP, it has a really cool arc because it starts mm-hmm. off very clattering and aggressive. And then it's almost like you kind of like look deeper into that sound and then you get into like these like wide open, like just digital spaces or something where there's like, you know, on the middle two tracks, M39 Defane and <laughs> Osla for N, they have great track names. Um, <laughs> it's like there's a lot of wide open space. I love how they'll just kind of like add like reverb or like crush digital distortion to things. Um to kind of like give you this huge sense of depth where you where you were like least expecting it you know it'll be like a really dry series of sounds and then all of a sudden it's like this wide open like it just sounds huge and cavernous and you really feel like you're inside I, I again fanboying but it's like i feel like you start with this taclacora thing it's just clattering craziness and then you like kind of look beneath the clattering and it's just like the abyss beneath it or something and then i like how newbound the last track here actually gets quite melodic it's amazing because Ozla for n it, it gets so non-musical in a way that i was like writing notes down like it doesn't even f- feel right to call this discordant because it's not even music anymore <laughs> and then newbound brings like some kind of melody there and it works kind of like a coda just like zotrope did on the boards of canada ep do you kind of agree with this like this flow dan yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, the I read like the Pitchfork review for for this, and they said oh. um, like the Oslo for N, like you know that that like percussion sound. It sounds like a cough, um, <laughs> and like they they said it sounded like a something like a like a sick computer or something. And yeah, yeah. it does, and it sort of feels like you know the you're you're going through almost like the computer's life and the, the Newbound. <laughs> I, I I felt like Newbound is sort of like the funeral like you know i couldn't couldn't get over that okay. cough and this is another another thing i love about like odd is like if you go on the odd subreddit you know there's like it's so hard to talk about them that people come up with these crazy crazy like <laughs> yeah because i feel like you're in the wheel of a car and it's like when the spokes are like hitting you in the head over and over you know like just the <laughs> metaphors they come up with are incredible i know but i mean that like i said at the start of this like it's because this feels like it's not from 
earth you know like how do you explain something that like you have no cultural reference point for uh you know because like i mean when we talked about broadcast we said oh it reminds me of uh you know vaseline's or velvet underground or you know whatever right right like we're anytime we review music talk about music we're we do that so much and otteker you know, we said it gives us the same sort of feelings as Cage and Stockhausen and stuff, but it doesn't really sound like those things. Right. Um, you know, it's just so completely, like, of its own world, it's almost impossible to, like, describe it without making up these, like, sort of stories or, or anything. Yeah. But, but that's, yeah, that's another thing I love about it, you know? It, it's, like, great music to just put on, like, you know, get, get your nicest headphones, like, you know, lay back and, uh, yes, yes. and, and get immersed in, in this world that, they, that they've created for you. Uh, decide what it yeah. what it means to you and uh, have a good time. Yeah. What, what did you think, Darren? Did you come to like this whole EP? Did you feel like it had an interesting flow and arc? I mean, I, I think it did, um, and I did like it a lot. You know. Uh, wow, I'm amazed. I, yeah. I mean, I'll take twenty whatever minutes of uh, <laughs> yeah, Tucker right. versus eight hours. You know, I think I I got my fill. Um, <laughs> like I mentioned, I really love the the opening track. I thought that was like. I just love how abrasive it is, you know. I uh-huh. I love that sound that I just can't describe because it's just not really right. easy right. You know, to describe it. Um, and then the last track, like you mentioned, just like with Boards of Canada, I feel like it's like fully earned. Like it's a yeah. really good conclusion track. Like I look forward to it. And then the the two tracks before, uh, sort of kind of continued the journey. Like I don't I don't know why it, it's actually, you know, I, I said that like they seem worlds away from boards boards of canada but these two eps really are very similar in in how they start and finish and it it, you know it it would be hard to tell somebody like hey listen to this ep and now check out an eight hour you know record or whatever (laughs) Uh it's it's pretty amazing that somebody who's so good at making you know two plus hours of music for one album can also do just a quick 25 30 minute record you know what i mean like that's i think that's impressive right yeah that actually hadn't thought of it that way but that that is because sometimes you know a lot of minimalist work it like a big part of it and i love it i'm not trying to knock this but it's like kind of like bowling you over with the sheer size and like challenge of it and lamont young yeah autiker does that but they actually don't have to like the the well-tuned piano uh would not if it was 20 minutes, it would not be, like, very interesting, I don't think. You know, it's, like, mm-hmm. it requires the size. But Autecker doesn't necessarily need the size to, like, do a lot. Um, you know, I wanted to ask about Autecker's legacy. I think it's kind of fascinating because when you think of Warp, you know, I want to talk about this a little bit, but they're trying to grow. They're trying to change, like, diversify the roster a little bit and stuff. But maybe it'll just always be the case that Warp will be associated with the IDM of the 90s, you know, in the early 2000s, where... it's like the apex twin and the boards of canada's and and all that stuff and and those artists you know like apex twin released like syro a couple years ago and it was great but it it was like apex twin you know it's not like the music of the future again you know Mm -hmm. it's the music of the future from the 90s sort of and how has autecker they seem to be the only ones of all these idm you know juggernauts that have remained relevant like how have they done that I mean, I I just think it's those two guys, you know, Sean and Rob. I think they are just like obsessed with with sounds and you know, like 
I, I just feel like there's some sort of like geniuses that that you know it's beyond beyond our comprehension. I I think it's just like being like they just feel like people that like if they didn't constantly search for that those new noises that they they'd stop living. You know, like is that does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, maybe a little strong, but you know, <laughs> I didn't kind compare of them to Shakespeare at least. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do kind of feel like, yeah, they're tireless, which helps a lot. They do also happen to be brilliant, I think. And it is kind of interesting because if you listen to like these sounds, you know, like the cutting edge of electronic music right now is, you know, like these labels like Object or like Pan or Hyperdub or whatever. You think of like an artist like Arca or like that uh, Mono Noah Ware compilation we talked about a couple, you know, two years ago or whatever, like. These are the artists that are like kind of on the cutting edge, and those sounds actually like Autechre, like basically fits right in there. They, in fact, like Elevent and the XI period is is really like, and actually even before that is really feels several years ahead of where electronic music was going, and so they don't at all work like Boards of Canada, which is like the Boards of Canada sound. They seem to be like one of those artists like bob dylan or something we talked about like a couple episodes ago who is just they're just kind of like incredible at being ahead of the curve and like pushing electronic music as far as it can go i think about like you know confield or like some of their like even late 90s albums you know where they seem to be getting interested in like algorithmic generative composition you know and it's amazing because now like algorithms rule our life Mm -hmm. and they were like doing it before any of that was happening and then instead of like continuing now the algorithms do rule everything they you know got their hands dirty and went into jam band mode like the <laughs> least expected twist i could imagine but i think that that i do think they just have one of those like special abilities to kind of be a few steps ahead does elevent darren give you any like indication of that kind of forward thinking i mean does it feel fresh does it feel innovative and modern to you um it does you know it did kind of it remind me a bit of uh, that uh, Aphex Twin record. Well, I think he released it under like the Tuss, right? Mm, um, okay. And if I remember that that record, it's pretty abrasive as well. But um, I don't know if I could say for sure that I'm th- that this is like unlike anything I've ever heard before. You know, just these uh. four tracks here. But um, I can certainly see what you're saying in terms of like always sort of forward looking you know that they're not necessarily um pandering to what is trending or what's going on you know what i mean like right. they may may they may not even be listening at all to what's what's happening now kind of similar to like how i feel about you know tom york and radiohead like i don't feel like they they don't even care what's what's really popular or what's trending right now they're just they've kind of f- formulated their own sound and they're just pushing the boundaries of that sound you know fortunately yeah. for you guys that sound is like a huge universe for them to explore. So it seems like they've, they've got plenty of room to, to kind of grow in, in just that own, in that area, but they don't, you know what I mean? Like they don't have to answer to any of these other trends that are happening. And that's, that's, you know, only a few artists I feel like have really earned that. Yeah. Yeah. I think like at this point somehow, and for me, actually it's weird because XI was like the moment this happened for me where I was like always an Autegger fan, and then I do kind of find some of their like some of their middle period albums like very challenging. Um, 
to where like I still feel like I've they haven't really clicked for me some of them. But um, XI, I was suddenly like, you know, it was like the beginning of this kind of jamming phase and like this onslaught of material. And I was like, I think this is like my favorite band ever. Like I'm just gonna <laughs> listen to everything forever because I just can't believe what I'm hearing. Um, you know, I think we could start turning toward wrapping up here. If we think about these three acts and all the other acts we sort of touched on, um, you know, how would you describe Warp's legacy? Like, how did they, how did they affect music in that sort of golden age? I mean, I think it's thanks to Warp uh, that, like, we have electronic music. I mean, electronic music is basically the, like, dominant force nowadays. You know, I mean, it's yeah. tied at, like pop music has electronics and you know hip hop has electronics you know everything has it and i think like i i think warp is is a huge uh reason uh, behind that you know i mean it it's it's like nuts that like aphex twin was like an actual like kind of star at at a at a yeah, at for a time yeah. in the 90s you know like it was played on MTV and stuff which is like insane um and i think that you know we owe that completely to warp yeah what do you think darren yeah, I mean, I think uh, when I think of electronic music, especially early on before I really knew Aphex Twin and stuff, you know, I think of a lot of like sort of anonymous people, just nameless DJs that are, yeah. you know, just putting music out and stuff like that. But um, pretty much, you know, these Warp artists, I feel like had a lot more personality behind them. Aphex Twin, of course, you yeah. know, even Autekker, you know, I'm, I'm kind of new to Autekker, but, um, you know, I, I think Boards of Canada, for instance, like... They, they're they such like recognizable names you know what i mean in this like vast sea especially nowadays of you know just electronic artists i mean like you mentioned the youtube channel of just people making electronic music like you have right. no idea who they are it's <clears throat> it's definitely worth mentioning that like hey they this record label has like the juggernauts of uh of like electronic music and you know if anybody's ever interested in checking out electronic music what better place to start than somewhere on the the warp label you know what i mean yeah and i think that they <clears throat> i really think that they're like hugely responsible like you said dan for like the sound of music today and i think like legitimizing electronic music if you think about like the the 90s <laughs> you know like electronic music seemed kind of like geeky to me like when i was young you know there was like almost a stereotype of like a geeky kid who walks around like with a headphones on and he just listens to like techno and when i thought of techno i just thought of like boom 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 you know like and it it was like kind of a it was geeks it was like computer nerds and stuff and then like all of a sudden warp is giving us like rock stars like richard d james and giving <laughs> us like like sort of compositional geniuses like boards of canada or you know autecker or like you know weird oddball like inventive 60s pop throwback stuff with like people like broadcasts and like it, it just like seems to blow the whole thing open to me um, where it's like not niche at all. It's like a whole, it's a whole world and it, it really does take over. I think warp is, is really hugely responsible for that, um, that, that legitimacy, but what is warp today? You know, because it was interesting. I didn't even know some of these people were on their roster when I was like looking at who was performing at this NTS takeover that they did. Um, people like Danny Brown and death grips and stuff. And, it's like, are they just kind of going to be an iconic label from the 90s and early 2000s? Or do you feel like they're kind of reinventing themselves and, and growing? Yeah, I mean, 
I, I'm not familiar with all the people, you know, that are currently on the label. It, I think the latest, like, Flying Lotus album is on there and stuff. Right, um, right, right. Well, I think all of his records oh, are they? been on there. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, that that's a, a newer um, kind of thing. You know, not, not a 90s electronic that's thing. That, that's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Um, but I think, like, a little bit, you know, they, they are sort of a, a legacy um, uh, label. But, that I mean, they've been going for 30 years. You know, what what label isn't just kind of a right, legacy right. label at that, you know, after that amount of time. Yeah. What do you think, Darren? What does warp mean today? Um, I mean, I, I think it's, it, I think it's still an iconic label, you know? Um, like I was kind of mentioning, you know, I, I think they carry with them some of the juggernauts of, of electronic music. And even when like Dan, when you mentioned like when Aphex Twin retires and some of these names are no longer creating brand new music, I still think, you know, Warp. I don't. I don't. I can't imagine Warp finding another Aphex Twin level or you know Rising Star or whatever. Right, I just right. think that it, they've pretty much solidified that legacy with an artist like Aphex Twin, and any newcomer coming along is probably going to be living in that shadow for a long time. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that sort of thing. I mean, it's an, it's important to continue to diversify and bring in you know flying lotus and other other people for sure but the the legacy is gonna kind of always be there i think yeah yeah i mean i think that they they've been like sort of passed up by some of those labels i was talking about earlier like these more cutting edge electronic music labels but like they'll always have this this legacy and i think honestly like this idea of let's throw a festival and look back at 30 years of warp is kind of going to be like the space that they're in and i honestly think it's kind of great because they've got like enough kind of cool new artists that are like interesting but they've also got like this huge legacy that really every like five ten years is actually did you know that the uh side note um autecker krakow set the first set on ae live was a performance at the warp 25th anniversary uh party oh i didn't know that um so every five years Let's do it. Let's celebrate the legacy of Warp. And, you know, I think that some are going to, you know, they're going to they're gonna have artists like Autekers who, like, kind of keep pushing the boundaries and Flying Lotus and stuff. But, uh, you know, we'll always have, like, these kind of memories of Borders of Canada and broadcasts and artists like that. And I think that's great. Any, uh, any last-minute thoughts? Any, any uh, big takeaways? What did we learn today? <laughs> I always ask us, and we never really Yeah, yeah. I think but. we never learn anything. <laughs> Uh, well, how about this? Uh, what did you learn? Mm. Email us and let us know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. You, you can email us. That's popshieldpod at gmail.com. We'll have our uh, next episode in two weeks. Uh, like Gabe said, we're going to talk about Radiohead most likely. And uh, in a week, we'll release um, our, our NTS session a rerun uh, from Oddtecker. So if you like Oddtecker, check that out. Uh, it's just Gabe and I uh, fanboying for, uh, I think it's like two hours long. Uh, we go deep, though. Yeah, we, we really go deep. Go no, deep. we really do. Um, so if you like the show, help us out. Subscribe. Leave us a five-star uh, review wherever you get your podcast. Stay connected. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff is at Pop Shield Pod, And we'll see you in two weeks. See ya. So long. So long.